From the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. Yes, here you are at the Badass Counseling Show podcast. It's great to have you here. My name is Sven Erlinson, and I am your host. I am joined in studio by Casey and Rob the Rocket. Wherever you're tuning in from, we're so glad that you are here, be it South Africa, where we have so many listeners, as well as Australia, the United States, the UK, Canada, and all points otherwise. Rob, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Sven. I'm very happy to be here. And uh, I don't know how much you follow this, but Merriam-Webster, the dictionary people, uh, they've published the word of the year for 2023. And I think you had something to do with this. The word of the year for 2023, what do you think it is? Uh, Swifty? I don't know. Yeah, well, that would be you. However, the word of the year is authentic. Oh, wow. One of the most looked up words in the dictionary's 500,000 entries, authentic. How you're, about that? You're the man about authenticity. Wow, that's interesting. Too bad I'm such a phony. Wasn't that the word from uh, Catcher in the Rye? Phony? He phony. was a phony. Yeah. Or was it fake? Phone? No, I think it was phony. Have to ask Holden Caulfield. I, yes, I don't know. We would. So, my question of the day, Rob, and I'm posing this to listeners, but I'm going to pose it to you first. When you're going into the city, say New York City, because we're right here, uh, what is a song that you like to do to listen to when you're going out for a night on the town? What's a night on the town song for you that puts you in the mood for going out a night on the town? Let's see. Something hard driving, um, something like China Grove by the Doobie Really? Brothers. Yeah. All right. Classic. Get revved up, you know? I like that. It's not going to be tush. <laughs> right. That's what you want me to say. <laughs> no. I'm not saying it. <laughs> I was not thinking that, but yeah, now that you, you, you say were, it. I know you were. Well, for me, it's late in the evening. I love that. That's, that his beats. That's, that's terrific. Good idea. A little Paul Simon late in the evening, go to a jazz club. All right. Well, there'll be none of that. Right now, we have some work to do. We have a new friend to meet. Uh, Rob, tell us about Jeffrey, if you would, please. All right. Jeffrey wrote into us and said, Hello, Sven, Rob, and KC. I like that. I've been listening to your podcast during my healing journey, and it's been incredibly helpful, but I still struggle with old habits and thought patterns. In 2010, I rescued my wife from a difficult past, and we later faced the loss of our daughter to cancer. Amidst the turmoil, I fell into a destructive addiction, becoming an abuser and causing my wife's trauma to resurface. Despite some progress, recent events have led to a setback, and I fear losing her again. I'm reaching out for help because I can't bear the thought of losing the only relationship I truly care about. Please, I need your guidance to navigate through this difficult time so I don't lose her forever, and so I can find the hero I used to be, within myself again. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Great. It's good to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, you are a bit cryptic in this paragraph, and I have three rapid-fire questions that I want you to give me so that I am clear. Uh, I fell into a destructive addiction. What was the addiction? Porn addiction. Porn addiction. All right. Second question, you said recent events have led to a setback. What are the recent events? Um, well, um, around this time last year, uh, mid-November of 22, um, basically my wife kind of just got a message from Spirit to check out my phone uh, bright and early in the morning, and she found six years of me cheating um, all online, but still uh, I had been using a, uh, a live camera app to basically sex video calls with uh, all different women. It was never, never the same one twice, but there was hundreds of women, you know, spending a couple bucks here, a couple bucks there. And it wound up totaling over almost $2,000. I think it was once we looked at everything. Um, anything, anybody else in the whole world would be like why in the fuck are you still there mm -hmm. and i've i've even said that myself to her like most anybody would be like get the fuck out mm -hmm. um and uh the recent events was basically you know we set our boundaries and stuff last year um she decided to stay with you know heavy conditions 
And, um, like I've heard you say a lot in, uh, in the podcast, the, the willpower will get ground down by the soul. And I did really good up until about early October this year. And I relapsed and was not going on the live cams, but I was looking at things that I know I shouldn't have things that have the power to blow up the relationship. And I just kind of found myself in the middle of it and she discovered it again. And now I know for a fact that if I mess up even one more time, it is ultimately the end. I see. Um, and when you say I was looking at things, what we just looking at porn online, what are we talking about or something specific? Not even, not even porn, but just like YouTube, um, you know, these girls that do the, the TikTok trends and like lingerie and stuff like that. Got it. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. All right. And so she clearly doesn't want to leave. Uh, you cheated on her for six years. She didn't leave. You gave her an ultimatum. And you broke it in October of this year. She didn't leave. She doesn't want to leave. And the reason she doesn't want to leave is she's scared. She's terrified. And the reason people endure cheating and go back to cheaters is because they're terrified. Terrified of being on their own. Terrified of it being over. Terrified of all of the messages from their own past rising up inside of them. That's what she's really afraid of. Yes, losing you, the security. Yes, there's some comfort in knowing someone and having gone through hell with someone. Absolutely. But she's got her own shit inside of her that is keeping her looped in with you. And uh, to your point, you know, it sounds like uh, she's, she has said, but this time I really mean it. This time I'm really going to leave. Okay, so that's about you. So we figured out what the destructive addiction is, porn. Just out of curiosity, any other uh, addictions, alcohol, gambling, anything else? No, um, I use weed, but it's not like an addiction like that per se. Okay. I can go weeks or months without it. Sure. You know, it just it kind of helps me level out. Um, I do have anger issues that I've been working on for quite some time, and that definitely helps keep that in check. Uh, I, I the weed keeps it, got, oh, yeah. go ahead. Finish that thought. I was going to say it, uh, it, it helps me stay a lot more level headed. Um, my oldest son, I've got three boys and, uh, one daughter that passed. She was the eldest. Um, but my oldest boy is, uh, level three autistic. And we suspect that my youngest is also autistic, but probably not as severe. Um, <clears throat> and when he has his meltdowns and stuff, it's really hard for me to, keep um keep my temper in check especially when he starts screaming real bad and stuff like that but whenever i use weed like gummies or just a vape or whatever um i actually find myself able to instead of screaming or having to leave and go off somewhere i can actually sit down next to him and just let him get it all out like i know he needs to that's good. Yeah. Sucky part it, is, it is that uh, in order to interact with my own children, I basically have to use a drug in order to interact with my own children. That's the sucky part. And you know that's the sucky yeah. part. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I I, think it's good that at least you're able to be present um, uh, with your kids when you're able to be present with your kids. Uh, just out of curiosity, when I asked you what your uh, destructive addiction was, you said porn. But then as you told the story, you characterized it as cheating. So which is it? Which do you consider it and which does she consider it? These uh, where you're spending, now what we discover over time was thousands of dollars, $2,000, hundreds of women. You're interacting with them live and to the point where there's verbal conversation. You can see her, she can see you, and then you are uh, taking it to the point of reaching orgasm and then the call ends. Do I have that pretty clear? Yeah, um, okay. I I did have a porn addiction basically long before me and her ever met, but it was always just normal porn. Um, I.e., it's but, not interactive, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. It became <clears throat> it became interactive about halfway through um, our daughter's cancer journey. Um, so that was your drug. That so was high. your drug of escape. How long have you and your yeah. wife been together? Um, we made it official in December of 2012, um, and then we've been married for a little over three years now. Married three years, official for 13 years, and known each other for how many years? 
um, two years beyond that. We okay. met in 2010. Okay, so that's 15 years. And just out of curiosity, Jeffrey, how old are you, if I may? 35. 35, very good. So you guys have known each other for quite some time, since you were 20. Okay. All right. Um, and so let me ask you this, uh, very simply, what is, if you could have it, what's your goal in coming to me? I really just want to get down to the root of why I know what has the power to blow up the relationship, but then I keep finding myself in the middle of it. Has it occurred um, to you, said, has it occurred to you, you deep down, you don't actually want this relationship or is that simply not true? No, that's not true. Okay, I, I most certainly do not ever want to lose them, you know, because if I lose her, then I'm most likely, I mean, not lose the kids. I'm, I don't have any fear of her keeping them from me or anything like that, but I still feel like I would be losing them. And I would be it, doing them a great disservice by not being a full-time father to them. I see. Um, yeah, you'd have to split time and, and so forth. Uh, just out of curiosity, have you ever abused your kids? I know these are fucking ugly questions, but I'm just curious. And I did. Okay. Um, physically, I presume. Yeah, verbally, physically. Um, mostly my eldest son because, you know, after the whole cancer thing, we were so distraught. And then basically we had him in a last ditch effort to not both commit suicide because, you know, it's hard. And um, he came out and it was fun for a little while. And then as time went on, we started noticing things were different and it was really hard to handle. You know, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He came out what? I missed that. He came out a little different, you know. Like Out of the womb. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So after the cancer scare with your daughter, then your son was born. Yeah. And we he had came him out after a little. She passed. Okay. He came out a little different, and uh, you've since established that he is uh, autistic, etc. And you physically and verbally abused him, and he's how old now? He's uh, five. He's five. Okay. Yeah, um, he's about to be six. About to be six. All right. A lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts here. Uh, the porn, uh, by the way, you didn't answer the question. Do you characterize it as por as porn or as cheating? Does she characterize it as porn or as cheating? We both characterize the live cams as cheating. And cheating. now that it's an established boundary that I'm not to be on porn, just any kind of porn or even suggestive content, we both consider it cheating now. Wow. Wow. So you, if you're going to masturbate, you have to use your imagination just like Barney taught the kids in the 90s. Um, and uh, so let me ask you, that actually raised an interesting question. Um, roughly the frequency, if there were no boundaries, the frequency you would be engaging in the live cams or porn. Would it be, we're talking once a week, once a day, five times a day, all day, as many days as you could. What is it for you personally? Um, when it was the live cams, it was... Most days, I would say. It wasn't every single day, um, but it was most days. How did you get by with only over total, over time, only um, use, um, spending $2,000? That's not a lot of money. Over it was, six it years? Was, That's like nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it would be, you know, you buy like the, the little coins or whatever. So it would be like two ninety nine for this many, five ninety nine for this many. Okay. Um, there was a couple of times where when we were in Pittsburgh, you know, something would happen. Like at one point she broke her foot getting the kids out of the car and it was too much for her there because of all the stairs and everything. And so she would come back here to Virginia and stay with her mom for a little bit. And while she was here and I was still there, that's when it started becoming 20 bucks here, 50 bucks there. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So let me ask you, um, what do you believe is the source, the root of your anger issues, as you refer to them? Um, it goes back to childhood. I, I've I've been doing some work. And, Specifically what? Um, I was made to feel like I wasn't good enough by basically all the adults around. Um, I was always getting pushed to do things that I didn't want to do. And whenever I found something I did want to do, it was always, this isn't going to get you anywhere in life you can't make any money off of this etc okay and who was the person who pushed you the most to do things you didn't want to do or was it a i presume i'm going to presume you were uh, raised by mother and father is that accurate 
Um, my dad and his mother, who I called her mom. Where, also. And where was your mother, biological mother? Um, she was off doing her own thing. She had my my older and younger sister, half sisters with her. And um, they moved around a lot all the time. You know, she would have me like every other weekend or so. Did you choose, um, was it your choice to stay with dad or was that someone else's choice? Uh, no, uh, my mom and dad got divorced when I was just a little bit past one year old. And um, basically he, he made sure to get custody of me because of the kind of stuff that she would do. Um, and he didn't want me briefly to specifically what what are we talking about um i've heard stories like she would leave my sisters with you know her mom or her sister or just whoever sometimes uh -huh. um i don't know a whole lot of specifics Was, about it were but, your sisters um, his daughters no ah that's um, why he wanted you and not them yeah well he he said he looks at my older sister like a daughter and can't figure out why she doesn't look at him like a dad, but she's had so many dads over the years. Sure. Yeah. And plus it was, she was three or four. Sure. When, you know, okay. So ways, he so. wanted you, you're getting raised by dad and his mom, grandma. They're both telling you what to do all the time. And when you do it, you're still not good enough. Is that accurate? Um, pretty much. Who was, um, one, who was, of, one of my biggest one of my biggest ones that I wanted to do was programming. I was teaching myself um, how to create video games on the computer when I was in my teens. And um, basically, uh, my dad was like, you know, look at your uncle. He's a professional programmer in Florida, and he's only barely making it. And about that point, I just garbage can the whole thing and never went back. That's that's heartbreaking. Um, and it was a lot of those those kind of situations. That sucks. Let me ask you, just out of curiosity, how old is your father and how old is your grandmother, if she's still alive? 93. 93. How old is your father? And he is 57. Which one of those two? So if those are the two people that raised you, who was the one that pushed you more and which one was the one that told you more that you're not good enough? Um, my grandma was, um, mostly the one that gave me all the proper support and, and love and everything. My dad worked all the time. And when he was home, it was like, he wasn't home. Wait a minute. We've, wait a minute. You didn't, wait a minute. You didn't even answer the question. So dad's absent basically when he's not there and dad's absent when he is there. And grandma gives love and support. But just two fucking minutes ago, you said, I got from the people who raised me, I'm, I was always being told what to do. And when I did it, it wasn't good enough. And I asked you, well, who is it? And you completely dodged the question. You said neither. Dad wasn't there. And grandma was love and supporting. Yeah, she she didn't really discourage me like that. But it mostly came from him when it was, you know, when he was present or interacting. Gotcha. Discouragement came from dad. Um, and you said, okay, so that's because you made two statements earlier, being told you're not good enough and being pushed to do things. So dad was the one telling you the discouragement was him telling you what you did wasn't good enough. Am I lining that up accurately? And yeah. And who was the one telling you what to do? Um, a lot of other adults in my life. It, it was mostly everybody pushing for me to go in the military and I really didn't want to do it. Who was pushing most? Um, my grandpa, my, my dad's dad was one of the biggest ones. Um, lots so of other people were let just me basically ask you backing this. him up. Okay, let me ask you this. For the bulk of your childhood and let's say into your early 20s, just out of curiosity, tell me the breakdown, the, inf the distribution of influence on you. Clearly, uh, grandpa's voice rang in your head. So we're going to put grandpa in the mix. We're going to put grandma in the mix, and we're going to put dad in the mix. And if there are any other significant voices, please say so. But I want you to tell me what percent of influence each of those three people had over you, and it has to add up to 100% or roughly 100% because there may have been other smaller factors. What's the level of influence each of those three people had over you? Was it 20, 30, you know, 60, you know, or 20, 30, 50, or what are we talking about? Break down the percentages, if you would, please. Um, you mean like influence in general or about the pushing and the, the discouragement stuff? Um, influence in general. In general, um, I'd say my grandma had the most because she was the one that was What's always the around. What's the percent? Um, I'd give her probably 70, 70%. Okay. Then uh, dad and grandpa? Um, 
dad would be probably um about 20 percent, and then grandpa was 10 grandpa lived in florida so it was mostly just phone calls and holiday visits but that was like basically the only thing he was doing was pushing me for the navy okay and you said grandma's support was largely uh love and support grandma's influence was largely love and support um was it exclusively so or could she be negative critical condemning um it was mostly love and support i mean obviously everybody has their moments but mostly i remember her being the supportive one you know encouraging me protecting me um then um, i'm i'm then i'm confused um, if you are getting such a powerful message of love and support from the person who was 70% most influential in your life, then how did those negative messages uh, land so powerfully? Um, I think just because they were so consistent over so many years. And, and so we're talking she, primarily from dad then? Yeah. And so let me ask you then, just out of curiosity, um, let me ask a different question. In that, what's the in, that's influence over you that I asked you about? Now let me ask you, what was the power distribution in your home growing up? I mean, it's you, Grandma, and Dad, presumably. It's just the three of you. Who had the power? What break it down in terms of percentages? If there are three um, of you in the home. What percentage power did each person have? Like, who really ruled the roost? Uh, my grandma ruled the roost, and my dad ruled over me. Okay, so what's the power distribution? Um, who really had the fucking power, and what percent of the power did they have? In the end, who, you know, was it 70-30, grandma to dad, and zero to me? Or what are we talking about here? Um, I'd say that's actually pretty close, yeah, about 70 70, 29, 1. And, okay, 70, 29, 1. And then so then let, let me ask you, <clears throat> how was your father's negativity towards you treated by your grandmother? Most of the time it went unseen, I feel like. Uh, there were times. There was times where uh, my dad and our cousin that lived next door, um, you know, they'd be together in the backyard and I'd come out there and they would do things basically to tease me or bully me. And I would run to my grandma crying because of it after so many times. And she'd go out there and tell them to, you know, leave them the fuck alone. It's not funny. Stuff like that. So that's, that's where I get that. She was like the protector and the love and support. And, she didn't ever do. Yeah. Like and that. what's interesting is clearly her protection wasn't enough because he kept doing it, even though she was chewing him out. So he didn't give a shit. Yeah, when it wasn't instances like that, um, when I said earlier that he was, like, when he was in the house, but it was like he wasn't there still, he was addicted to this uh, massive multiplayer online video game, and he would be on it 24-7, Wow, basically. And just out of curiosity, what was the video game? I'm curious. Uh, it was called Ultima Online, gotcha. UO for okay. short. All right. Um, I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, Jeffrey. Uh, but when we get back, I want to continue to drill down on some of this. This is good stuff. Thanks for what you're doing. More to come right now. Let's take a quick break. I'll be right back. I've been doing some real healing work in my life, and I mean hardcore. But I've been craving something new to level up. A friend of mine told me about this badass counselor. I got to admit, I rolled my eyes. Then I watched a few of his videos, and yes, this is the guy. I went and got his audiobook, Badass Wisdom. Holy shit. Absolute ass-kicking, inspiring, deep, powerful shit, period. If you don't get this book, you're making a huge mistake. So do you got the guts to go big with your self-care? Go to badasscounseling.com, get the book Badass Wisdom now. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. We are back with Jeffrey. Uh, all right, we're talking about your family of origin here, Jeffrey, um, but I want to bounce back into uh, the immediate. 
and then go back to the childhood. You made the comment in your paragraph, I'm reaching out for help because I can't bear the thought of losing the only relationship I truly care about. Um, the so the, In other words, I don't truly care about my relationship with my father. Is that accurate or inaccurate? Um, it can be considered accurate. Uh, me and him had a blow up recently and we hashed it out after a couple of weeks of the silent treatment. And I let him know that he doesn't have that power over me. I don't want anything from him anymore. Um, um I okay. did a, a little bit, little bit of journaling and, um, you know, that kind of led to that. And he was actually accepting of it for once. Whereas before he would deny and dodge. And Why do you think he's different? Why do you think he was different this time? I don't really know because I, I mentioned that he's, he told me he's been going to therapy for seven years, basically since our daughter passed, but uh, outwardly, I don't see a whole lot of change. I mean, except in that case, obviously. Let me ask you, if you were to speculate, who would you say it is in your life? You say you have anger issues. If there, if, and there may not be, I, I allow for the fact that I could be wrong on this, but if there were one person above all else that you are most angry with in your life, who is it? It would be my dad. Your dad. All right. So then uh, angry at dad. And so then let me ask, what is it you think above all else that you're most angry at dad for? Or if making you prefer- me feel Go making ahead. me feel like I wasn't enough for so long. Uh, you know, it took me 30 something years to finally figure out that I am good enough. And even though I'm still broken, I'm to a point now that I can actually fix myself and work on it, and I don't need anybody else to do it. Okay. I don't need his validation. Well, okay, let me ask you this question. If you've got all this anger inside of you, which I totally understand, it makes sense. I I totally get why you do, okay? If you've got all this anger inside of you towards your dad, and to the point where it's caused you to, by self-admittedly, abuse your own children, okay, if you got that much anger, why are you still in contact with this person? I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just curious why you are. Um, I really want it to work out between us. Why do you want it to but, work? Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, why do you want it to work out between us? If it worked out between us, then what? Then we finally have a good relationship. And if you had a good relationship, then what? Then I'd feel fully loved. or at least Feel fully loved. loved. The and then what? I'd feel worth it. Ah, worth it. Okay. And all right. Um, And so it's a bit of a, it's a fallacious notion to say that you don't want or need anything from him because you are saying that I still want a relationship so that I can feel fully loved, so that I can feel worthless. So you're keeping someone in your life who bullied you as a child and more neglected you as a child. You said he wasn't present even when he was present. He was discouraging, all of these things. Because you, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. You can do whatever the hell you want. It's your life. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But this notion that you don't want anything from him simply isn't true. You still want, you don't just want the relationship. You still want him to love you as a way to validate your own sense of worth. You're right. Um and it also, I mean, I have no choice but to be under his roof at the moment. Um, I see. Ah, so there's a financial are, aspect. Yeah, we are making moves to get out on our own. But um, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have escaped Pittsburgh and got back home. Um, he offered that. That was one of the things that I discussed with him when we had our talk the other day. Was that he um, He'll like offer favors, but then later when something goes wrong and it blows up, then he'll dangle it over our heads like he was expecting it to get repaid. Right. And just out of curiosity, um, uh, do you work presently? Does your wife work? What's the situation? Um, She stays home with the kids and she's recently started college and I work. She started college. That's great. And uh, if, if I may, what sort of work? You don't have to tell me the company, but what sort of work do you do? Um, I deliver auto parts all around the whole area. Very good. Right on. It's a, a very, very easy job. Um, I do like driving. Part of the problem back in Pittsburgh was I was doing lift. And um, there was even instances where if I wanted to, I probably could have gone physical with it, although I could never bring myself to do that. Okay. Um, and so you are in a, you are financially tied to someone that you are extraordinarily angry at. Yes. Okay. And let me ask you, 
do you is this do you see this as your uh, how you want it to be for some time? Is there a desire to change that? Where are you at with that? Um, definitely would like to change it. Um, what would it require like, to change it? Either getting out on our own and then seeing where the relationship goes or fixing the relationship and seeing how the, the living situation goes. We're talking like about the relationship with your wife. Wait, which relationship? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm wondering which relationship you're talking about. Oh, I was meeting with my dad. Okay. So I guess what I'm wondering is, um, okay. So moving out on our own and then seeing where our relationship goes you want to keep him in your life because you're wanting that love. You're wanting that feeling of worth. You're wanting him in your life um, to get that. You just said that, that even if we moved out, then we'll see where the relationship goes, implying you still want it. Otherwise, yes. there would be no, if you didn't want it, there'd be no question where the relationship goes. We just wouldn't have a fucking relationship. I don't want it. Um, and so that says a part of you wants it. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe, and just, just be honest, there's no right or wrong answer here. I want to know what you truly think or believe. Do you believe that it is possible for you to fully heal and become authentic and, um, be happy without ever giving, getting that love from your father? What do you truly believe? I do think it's possible. I think it's going to take a lot of work still, but I think it's possible. And and if you were to speculate, and I know it's kind of a strange question, but what do you believe the work is that it would require? Figuring out how to validate myself and not need the approval of, of him or anybody else, really. And, and in what are the biggest ways presently in your life that you contort to try to either get his love or get him to like you or win him back, or whatever. How are you still sort of uh, under his thumb or begging for his love? What form? I just basically try to keep the peace in the house, um, mostly avoidance. I mean, up until recently when we finally had our talk. I see, avoidance. So that implies that even now at 35 and dad 57, that when you guys, you avoid him because even when you're around him, even now he is what? Very irritable. Irritable, right. And when he is irritable with you, you, fe you feel what? I would say scared, but since I've stood up to him lately, um, I, I don't really think scared is the word anymore. What's the word? I, I don't really know. I want to say something like prepared because a lot of times when he would get no, angry. You no, wouldn't, you wouldn't avoid him if you felt prepared. You're avoiding him because you're not wanting something. You know, I avoid uh, unprotected sex because I don't want, you know, a baby now that I'm 56 and I don't want any diseases. I avoid driving 80 miles an hour because I don't want to hit a patch of black ice and flip my car. So you're avoiding something because you don't want it very often because we fear it. So I'm wondering, why are you avoiding him? What do you feel when he is irritable? Nervous. That what might happen? Nervous implies an outcome that I don't want. What's the outcome you don't want? I'm nervous that he would kick us out. I see. So you do fear him still. I guess I do, yeah. Yep, fear dad. All right. And let me ask you, and this is a fucked up question, but I'm just curious. Um, if you and your dad were to get into a physical tussle, who would take who? Could you take him? I'm pretty sure I could. Um, he's gone through a lot of medical issues, including a quintuple bypass January of this year. That'll humble you. Um, and so, yeah. let, so let me, so it's safe to say then, well, maybe it's not. Let me ask you, when you're a child, if you got somebody who's a bully over you, and I was bullied as a kid, and I was a bully as a kid, both, um, there's always somebody bigger, faster, meaner, tougher, always. Um, and so... What, when you're a kid then, if somebody is bullying, you also often fear them physically. And you said a minute ago, I'm not scared of him anymore, implying physically scared of him. Let me ask you, just out of curiosity, what percent are you scared of your father physically? Even if you know you could probably, if not take him, you'd put up a good fight. Still, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that the physical fear that you've had your whole life of your father, that doesn't mean it's totally on. What percent do you physically fear your father? 
5%. 5%. So, and what percent do you, and that, that's physical. You've also mentioned financial. Is there any other way that you fear your father? I don't think so. The only thing that I really worried about is that he'll rub off on the kids in the same way that, you know, my childhood was with him. Yeah. And well, he already I don't is. Want that for them. Well, he already is because you're already fucking irritable and angry around your kids. He's running your fucking life. His all of his shit is running your parenting. It, it furthermore, it's running. I mean, at the root of this cheating and the porn addiction, at the root of it is the desire to escape. You've had a whole fucking life of pain, and it's a desire to escape that fucking pain. And it's it's like you've got this life, and I just want to get out. I just want to get out. I just want to get out. That's what any addiction is. That's what any compulsive behavior is booze fucking eating disorder fucking gambling whatever it is and it started with the person who raised you and the person who raised you wasn't your mom so often it's a mom this is a dad raising a boy grandma's there and god bless her for being there but clearly she wasn't enough of a shield she didn't get you out of there and so the person who has had the single greatest influence on your life is a fucking dick and you want his money and so you eat his shit you continue to eat his shit and you continue to be under his thumb, his boot on your throat and it sucks and it's killing you. And yes, it is absolutely running your marriage and it is absolutely the raising of your children. Absolutely. Because you are still living largely in response to those messages you got from childhood. And if you are perceiving yourself as not good enough, that comes through. How do we compensate? I mean, it's just like if you deliver auto parts, you know cars, I know a little bit, but if the alignment to my right front tire is out of whack, just a little bit, that's going to affect my suspension. It's going to affect my axle. It's going to affect my fucking gas mileage, which will also impact, you know, it's going to impact uh, oil quality. It's going to affect so much shit. Just the fucking wheel out of alignment. So imagine an internal belief system out of alignment that believes basically I suck. I'm not good enough. I'm a fucking failure. Gee, if that's my core belief, do you think that's going to influence my decisions, what I go after in life? You already said you trashed your dream because the old man was, he, he ridiculed it. Of course you walked away from what you want to do. Of course you did. He was a bully. And if you were going to pursue it, you knew you would have had to eat his shit. Of course you walked away. I don't blame you for that. I mean, that was a survival mechanism. But that means you've likely been walking away from your shit your whole life. Anything to avoid his wrath. And that was the word you used, avoidance. But you've been around him your whole life. And you still want two things from him. And as a result, he has you by the short and curlies. One, you want his money. And by money, I mean roof over your head. And you've got a wife and three kids. And you have no fucking roof. You have no means of independence right now. And as a result, you have to interact with him constantly, constantly. Two, you still want his approval. Let me ask you, what would happen if you never got his approval, if you've never got his love? Then what? I'd probably still be in the same horrible mindset of I'm not good enough and just being a shitty person. You've got 35-year pattern of behavior of your father's actions and beliefs about you and actions towards you. You have a 35-year pattern of behavior that is, for the most part, unflinching. It is reasonable to assume you are never going to get that approval and that you continuing to beg for it in the ways that you beg by keeping him in your life, you're continuing to do that gives him the power over you. And when someone has something that I want, they have the power to make me fucking miserable by not giving it to me, all right? Um, I wanna ask you, and so, and that's okay. You can live that way. This is your life, Jeffrey. I may not feel like it, but this is your life and you get to live it however the hell you want. So if you continue to abdicate your power and give someone the power to make you miserable, and if you continue to engage in the belief system that I need this, I need dad's love, I need dad's love, and you're not getting dad's love, and now you're certainly not really getting love from your wife. I mean, she barely fucking trusts you. So you're a man without a country. Right? What a lot of people do is then steal love from their own children. And I don't mean something ugly like sexual or something like that. Steal affection, steal their praise, need them to praise me, need them to do everything I want. You're not getting love. No one is pouring fucking love into your love cup. And so it makes, it totally makes sense. And I'm not justifying what I'm saying. It makes sense that you went to porn and cheating. Why? Because someone would tell you, I like you. You're a man. I, you know, you're attractive. I want you. Those are powerful fucking messages, even if they are synthetic. Even if I had to pay for them, those are powerful fucking messages. And I can use my own imagination to think of being wanted 
boy, that's a beautiful feeling when you've been unwanted your entire life, right? Yeah. Fucking ain't right. Let me ask you, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. First question I want to ask you is simply this. I want you to think about it, all right? What are the single biggest truths, if you were to be totally fucking honest, what are the single biggest truths about your father that you've never spoken to your father? About him, not about how you feel, not about what you want to, whatever, about him, about who he is as a person, as a father, whatever. What are the biggest truths about your father, truths, plural, that you've never spoken to your father? I don't know if there are any that I've never spoken to him because I've called him an asshole. I've called him a piece of shit father. Um, you know, I've, I've gone through the ringer, usually with blowups, but also with this calm talk that we had this last time. Okay. You've called him everything that you want to say about him. Your assessment of him, bad father and, and asshole and all these things you have said to him. Did I hear you correctly? Yes. Okay. Second question is this. What are the single biggest truths about how you feel towards your father that you've never spoken to your father? So this is a different question. Now it's not what are the truths about him. Now it's the truths about how I feel about you or from you or towards you. What are the single biggest truths about how you feel towards your dad that you've never spoken to him? I don't think I've ever said to him that I was scared of him. Hmm. I figured it was kind of implied based on you know, okay. past behaviors. Scared? What else? How you feel towards him? Once again, that I've never said, it's it's kind of hard because I've, I've expressed myself over the years many, many times. Did you ever tell um, him that you're angry at him? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely gone there. Okay. Um, and just out of curiosity, have you ever told your father that you hate him? Yes. And when was that? Probably in multiple points through childhood. Okay. And was it the childhood hate thing that, um, you know, I'm sort of in swollen with rage right now. I'm going to slam some doors. I hate you, mom, for not letting me go out with my friends. Or, you know, I hate you, dad. You're such a jerk. Or, you know, was it that sort of thing? Or was it, fuck, man, I fucking hate you. I just fucking hate who you are. I hate what the fuck you have done to me in my fucking life. Which hate was it? The child hate or the sort of, holy shit, I fucking hate you. I hate this guy. Which is it? I think it was more of the first one, just right. kind of the, you know, you don't let me do this or that. So let me ask you, you then, people. as you look back, I took uh, your paragraph and all of your notes that I've taken it in, and I gave them to Steven Spielberg, and I had Steven Spielberg make a movie. And I got a bunch of people in this theater. I got 100 people, random people off the street, and I got my girlfriend, and we're all watching the movie. It's titled Jeffrey. And we're watching this fucking movie, and we're watching your dad then and now. And I got to be honest, there are a lot of white knuckles on people's on their seats watching this movie. And I got to be honest, I, I hate your dad. Fuck him. Fuck him for what he did to a child. I hate him. Fuck him. Bullied his own son? What the fuck is that? Just out of curiosity, did your father, uh, as you see it, did your father abuse you? Um, there were there were some instances, yes, where it was physical and okay. kind of over the top. Okay, and verbally? Verbally, yes. Okay, so you were verbally and at times physically abused by your father. Yeah, I got told to shut the fuck up. Do you uh, hate your, do you hate your father? Out. Shut the fuck up. Okay. Do you hate your father? I'm trying not to, but I think whoa, that it whoa, does whoa, whoa, deep whoa, down. whoa, whoa. You just tipped your hand there, Daddy O. I'm trying not to. That implies I do, but I don't want to feel it. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to deal with it. Just out of curiosity, what's the reason you don't want to? Um, what's the reason you're trying not to? I see him getting better a little bit, and I really hope that it keeps going. But I feel like if I just stay hating him, then all that progress will get thrown away. Well, and, and, see, he'll just and see, that's interesting. He Hopefully, he'll make the progress. Then we'll get the relationship that I want. Then I'll get the love I want. So I'm going to stuff down my authentic feelings. I'm not saying you ever have to express your hatred towards him, but I genuinely, as Jeffrey, I feel hatred towards my father for a lifetime of shit that persists even to this day that I avoid him because I don't want to be around the fucker. 
All right, so I've got a lifetime of hate towards this guy, and but I'm gonna, and it's real, and it's there, and I'm trying not to feel it. In other words, I'm bottling it up. I'm stuffing it down. I'm suppressing it. I'm all these things, right? All the words. I'm locking it up in the vault because I don't want to feel it because I'm so close. I feel like I'm getting closer to him loving me and finally giving me approval. Okay. Just out of curiosity then, uh, you're trying not to hate him. If you were to be totally honest, for 35 years with this fella, your dad, 35 years of this stuff, that you're still even to this day avoiding him, if you were to be totally honest, what percent do you hate your dad? Now, well, let me ask you this first. Do you believe it's possible to love a person but not love everything about him? Yes. Do you believe it's possible to hate someone without hating everything about them? Yes. Okay. Just out of curiosity, though, as you think about your whole life and all the shit and all the shit you're still putting up with and all you avoid him and still scared of him yanking uh, the money and and potentially still residue of the physical and verbal abuse and, and fearful of his presence, his countenance, his um, carriage, um, what percent do you hate your dad? If you were to be totally honest. I'd say probably about 60%. 60%. And just out of curiosity, you had said, but I'm trying not to. Is it possible that the trying not to hate him is influencing your answer of 60%? It could be. And um, and I'm so if it were, if that, I'm really trying not to uh, let the, you know, uh, not to feel the hate. If that were influencing the 60%, then what might might that 60% number actually be? Probably close to the 80 80. Okay. So big window there, but I like your honesty. Um, so somewhere between 60 and 80%, you hate your fucking father and you're trying not to. If you were to be honest, which of your three sons, at least at the moment, I mean, they're quite young. Which one are you closest to right now? Um, probably my middle son. Middle son. Okay. And so imagine we're watching the movie of your life and I invite you in to watch it with us. This And you're watching and the casting director, Spielberg's casting director was brilliant. And to play you in the movie, they chose your middle son. And so you get to watch on film your father treating your middle son the way you were treated. How do you feel in watching that? Oh, I'd be pissed. You'd be pissed. Right. And you'd be pissed because why? Because you don't treat a child that way. There we go. There we go. That's what's really going on inside of you, that you can be pissed for your son. And you are pissed for you to the point where 35 years of this shit, you fucking hate him. I have a very dear friend who hated her own mother for about three years. She mother died 20 years prior. She realized she hated her mother for some of the obligations. And she loved her mother, loved, adored her mother growing up and even all through adulthood. And it was totally out of the blue when this friend called me and said, yeah, I fucking hate my mom. And then, and we talked about it, talked about it. And then about a year, and you know, the life. And then uh, about a year and a half ago, she called me back and she said, Sven, you know, I took my time, but I, I allowed all that hate to come out and I worked on it and so on and so forth. And I don't hate my mom anymore. See, hate is just like any other feeling. It's a train passing through town. It stops, it lets out the passengers, it takes on new passengers, and it goes out of town. But there are certain feelings that a lot of times in life we don't want to feel, or we grew up in a home where certain feelings weren't allowed. Anger is one of them. Sadness is one of them. Happiness. I have clients who weren't allowed to be happy growing up. They had to modulate never to be happy because they'd get their head fucking cut off. All right. And so what they do when that train comes into town of happy or of anger or of hate or of sad is they stop the train. They shut it down. Nope, can't allow this. But the natural state of feelings is they come in and they go out. So you've been stopping all those fucking trains. Furthermore, you had a power source far greater than yours. You couldn't express anger. It wasn't safe. Your old man would have throttled you physically or verbally. So you had to shut down, shut down, shut down. So you've been putting in that fuck. When you were a little boy, you got a cigar box and you filled it up with all those feelings you weren't allowed to express when the natural state is to express feelings. If I stub my toe, actually I did last night. I fucking caught my toe on the rug in the kitchen. There's some loose threads and I fucking yelled. All right, why? Because when we hurt, there's a desire to express the pain. That's why you yell at your kid when, you know, he's having, a, you know, some sort of fit or when he's acting out or when his disease is taking control of him. Why? Because you're getting frustrated. You're getting swollen with emotions and then you want to purge it. 
right? That's why you fucking do it. Yeah. It's not conscious. That's why you're, you can't even keep it in. Your love cup is so full of shit, you want to purge it up. Okay, so that's how it was your whole fucking childhood. The sad, the mad, the angry, the hate, all of it. Natural responses. Hate is a natural response. Now, it doesn't mean I have to express it at the person. It doesn't mean it gives me permission to hurt someone. Okay, Sadness, a natural response. Watched, uh, what was the fucking movie just the other night? Rerun. Um, and I started to tear up. It's a natural response. But if we're not allowed to, to let it out, then we stick those into that cigar box when you're a little kid. You wrapped it up in duct tape, stuck it way down deep inside under the bed next to the Christmas sweaters. But eventually that cigar box wasn't enough to keep putting your feelings in. And eventually you bought a little safe and then eventually a bigger safe, like a gun safe size. And then eventually you got, you got a big fucking vault and it is full, full of 35 fucking years of pain, of sadness, of self-hatred, of hatred towards your father. Just, just out of curiosity. Actually, I put words in your mouth there, technically. Um, do you hate yourself? I used to. I don't anymore. Hmm. And yet you say you still see yourself as not good enough. Sometimes. Okay. Uh, just out of curiosity, um, what was the highest percentage that you ever hated yourself? I mean, you said you were suicidal, so wouldn't that sort of imply almost 100%? Yeah, I was going to say 100% of it's worth. What's the earliest in your life you remember self-loathing or hating yourself? About 9 or 10 years nine, old. 9 or 10. Okay. And uh, is it reasonable to assume then, I mean, you barely, uh, well, let me ask you this. Um, you said recently, or you don't really hate yourself so much anymore. I personally would question that. I don't necessarily buy that that's true. I think if we dug, dug down deep enough, I think we've actually, to some degree, already established it um, because you're staying in a relationship with a person who has exacted his pain onto you. You're doing it for reasons. I'm not saying it isn't justified. But when I allow someone to treat me poorly over an extended period of time, it's an indicator of what I think of myself. But that aside, isn't it fascinating that you are hating yourself already by age nine or 10, that you've hated yourself as much as 100%, yet you don't have permission. You've never had permission to hate the person who taught you to hate yourself. Yeah. Kind of fucked up, don't you think? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so going back to this notion of hate, the only way you're going to heal, only way you're going to heal long-term where it's such that you're no longer trying to escape your life, but where you're actually creating a life that you have no desire to escape is all the stuff that you claim to not want to feel because, gee, dad's getting better, so there's a hope I make get his approval. The way you self-validate, self-confirm, as you brought up earlier in the show and you've heard me bring up, you know, the way you do that is by no longer allowing the negative beliefs and no longer allowing the bottling up of your pain your sadness, your anger. You have to get all of this fucking hatred out. Period. End of story. Anger, hatred, sadness. You have to go into those, especially the ugliest of ones, which is presumably the hate. You have to go into that. And that doesn't mean you ever have to say word one to your father that says nothing. He could be dead and you'd still need to do this. You don't need anything from him in order to heal. What you need to do is to have the courage to let it all out because you're keeping it bottled up. You're like, I have so much shit and manure and rocks and crud and infested maggots inside my love cup and I want to keep them. I don't want to let them out because I'm still waiting for dad to like me. I'm not going to let any of that out. And I'm like, no, empty the fucking love cup. Get the fucking maggots out of there. Get the disease-ridden, fetid, rotting, nasty. We had some cauliflower in my fucking, I made a cauliflower dish this last week and it was in the fridge and it wasn't properly sealed. And the last day and a half, it's like, oh my God, my refrigerator is fucking horrible. Horrible. Because the smell, right? That's what you got in your fucking love cup. You got stench coming out of that fucking thing from 35 fucking years of aging cauliflower that's now just fucking nasty. And you don't want to let it out because you're hoping, still hoping, maybe, 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 maybe now dad's changing. I still so want his love. And I get it, dude. I get it. When we're kids, we so just fucking want to be loved. But the way you love on yourself is empty the goddamn cup. And I, I did that with um, that last blow up that he had at the kids mm -hmm. when I stood up to him. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, I, I just started listening to your podcast a couple weeks before that and 
my wife was like, you, you should really do the journaling. You should really do the journaling. So I grabbed a notebook and I slammed out three pages in about 10 minutes. And that's, and a, it that's felt great. great. Exactly. Exactly. Three pages. And it felt great. I got clients. That, that's more, that's more than I've ever written at one time, even in school or anything. Exactly. And that's the point. And that is the point. Shit. I only wrote three pages. I got clients who have reams and reams and reams and notebooks. I got guy. I got a guy client who came to me uh, one every day this week, and he's like, "Sven, I did thirteen pages in the last month." He was so proud of himself, and I was proud of him. It's fantastic, all right. But that's just the fucking start. So if you already felt great from a mere three pages, dude, you have never let out a fucking feeling in your fucking life. I mean, as far as where it's really coming from, and the anger that you have towards your father ain't this last fight you had. That was situational to this situation. You have a lifetime of that in there. And I'm telling you, you can accelerate this process, but it requires you having the courage to go in and, and to use your words, but I'm trying not to feel the hate. I want you to try to feel the hate. And again, you don't ever have to say anything to your father. You have to get it out of you. This is why we go to counseling. This is why you came to me in part to begin to get out. Well, what really are the issues? What really is a problem? And to begin to get out the feelings until it's out of you, it is in you. Until it is out of you, it is in you. And hatred, once it's allowed to get out, just like any other feeling, it's until it's out of you, it's still in you. So you already are a hater. Once it's out of you, that's when you cease to be a hater. You have to go into that. I'm just curious then. Just uh, again, just so I'm fully clear, what percent do you hate your dad? As it stands right now, probably I'd say lower, like 40%. Okay. But a minute ago, you said 80%, 60% to 80%. Yeah. I think there's so much fucking hatred in you. I think you fucking hate him probably 95 or 100%. And I think you're afraid to really fucking feel it and really fucking let it out in your journaling, in and it has to be put into words. It's not enough to just scream at the moon, okay? You have to flush this shit out of you, just out of curiosity. Um, third question is simply this. If it were your desire to hurt your father with maximum impact, to drive the dagger into his fucking heart and twist it, what would be the single biggest truth you could say that would hurt him the very most? I would say that it's an awful father, but he already knows that. He's already admitted that. Even okay. to me, if I was to tell him that I hated him, that would probably crush him. Hmm. Because, which implies he thinks you love him, which you do. But it, it also implies that he is totally blind and potentially choosing to be blind to the fact of how much he's done and how much you really fucking hate him. Just out of curiosity, does he think he's a, he was a good father? No. D is, do you believe your father to be a good grandfather? No. Does he believe he's a good grandfather? I don't know, but if I had to guess, I would think yes. Would it hurt him? Would, would it would hurt him to know that he's a bad grandfather? Yeah. And I'm not saying you ever have to say any of these things to your father. Again, that's not the point. The point is that you've got massive feelings inside of you that you don't want to fucking touch. You literally said that. I'm trying not to. And I'm saying you have to try to. You have to go into those feelings. You got to be journaling every fucking day. All right, if you're working 40, 50 hours a week, that means you have ample fucking time late at night. And at some point, at some point, and maybe you're not there yet, maybe it'll take you losing your wife, but at some point, you're gonna have to choose the work of healing. You've already been choosing it some, but you said, I've journaled a little bit, but you gotta be journaling a lot. And the more you do that, and writing a letter to your father you don't send, writing 20 letters that you don't send, writing a letter to your wife that you don't send, Flushing out, the, the reason we don't send it is so that we flush out all the feelings rather than editing it. Oh, he wouldn't like to read this or whatever. You have to be flushing all of that out. And what you're gonna find is the more deliberate you are about that and go into my book, there's a hole in my love cup and do all of the exercises in the book and go deep into them. And the more you do that, you wanna know what's gonna happen? You're emptying that fucking cup. And what's I gonna actually, I actually started on that um, a few days ago. I bought the ebook because we've had the actual hard copy since 2020. Mm -hmm. And I picked it up, read a couple of chapters, didn't do any of the entries, and then put it down for a long time. And uh, yeah, and but now I know it's to a point where if I don't do it, it's I'm yeah, lose you're fine. You are going to lose everything. And the truth is, then you'll rebuild. You don't have to put the gun to your head just because you lose everything, even if it comes that. But at some point, you have to choose: Do I choose to actually do the work of healing and changing my fucking self, or do I just keep running from the fucking problems and the porn, the cheating? The weed, everything is running from those problems. That's what it is. It's you trying to escape all the pain, all the anger, all the rage 
from your childhood that is justified. Your rage is actually justified. Now, taking it out on someone is not, but getting it out of your system is absolutely not only justified, it's the only way you're ever gonna get your life back. And the mere act of finally allowing your real feelings out is you self-confirming. It's you saying to that nine-year-old you, hey, kid, your feelings matter. And, and you weren't strong enough to do it then, but I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna get those feelings out now. I'm going to affirm you. Because now if you don't let those feelings out that that nine or that 12 or that 19-year-old felt, now it's you victimizing that child. It's not him anymore. Now it's you doing it because you're in, you know now this is what I need to do. So if you don't do it, you're fucking yourself. But if you actually do this, you got a shot. You got a shot with your wife. It's not about the porn. It's not about the cheating. That isn't the real problem. The real problem is all this rage, all this sadness, all this longing for love inside of you. And the more you flush it out and go into all the exercises in the book, the more you do that, everything will begin to change for the better. I guarantee you that. How are you feeling? And what's going on inside of you? How are you doing? I feel like my eyes have been opened a little bit further um, I didn't even realize that all that stuff was still in there. Mm. Um, I'm definitely willing to do the work to get it out, though, because I'd like my life to be good again. Yeah, I hear you. And a lot of times in life, it takes life sort of going to the max and sort of where life is just completely fucking us up the ass before we finally sort of have the courage, the guts to face it all because we need to, because we realize I'm fucked. I'm fucked even more if I don't. Now, the truth is if she does leave you, you're recovering, life will go on. Um, but uh, you don't want to. And so life sometimes has to force us. Let me ask you, just out of curiosity, what was the, for you, and there's no right or wrong answer, I'm just curious. What for you, um, well, first let me ask this. Give me a feeling word. What are you feeling right this minute? Mad, sad, bad, glad, frustrated, elated, at peace, melancholy, blue, lethargic. Tell me any feeling word. What are you feeling? Hopeful. Hopeful. Okay. And then let me ask you uh, today, what was for you? And again, no right or wrong answer. What was the biggest epiphany for you today? The biggest sort of revelation or sort of new, new thought that you hadn't had or whatever. What was the biggest epiphany today? that I do still hate him a very large percent. Mm. Um, the Us getting along is basically still just surface level. As much as I want it to be something more, it's still just surface level. Right. And it's and the reason it's still surface level is because you are keeping it surface level. It's because you don't want to be authentic with yourself and you'll never have an authentic relationship with him if there's even a hope for that until you have the courage to be authentic. You're not living authentically. You're living surface level. You don't want to go down deep into your real shit. You want to keep it up here where it's safe because you're terrified of all those fucking feelings and the potential implications. Boy, if you let all that out, you may realize, you know what? I'm good. You listen, old man, I do want a relationship with you, but I don't want this shit. If you ever change, hey, maybe I'm open to that. Or you know what? I don't want anything from you. Or you may discover something, but there will be implications, and that can be very scary. Let me ask you, apart from the epiphany, you said you feel hopeful, and uh, apart from the epiphany that you still hate your dad, setting that aside, what was the biggest surprise today? Me, anything. I'm just curious. And maybe there wasn't one, but what was your biggest surprise, apart from what you said about the epiphany? I think it was a, a pretty big surprise that it really was all the childhood shit that led to that addiction. Oh, absolutely. Me becoming, becoming everything I swore that I would never become. You know, even in childhood, I was like, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to treat my kids like this. I'm going to be there. I'm going to never hit them and this and that. And I wound up doing every single fucking bit of it. Right. And that's not because you're a bad person. It's just that you had so much crud inside of you, so much pain, so much hatred, so much sadness. And these are the things that we do in life. When we have so much crud inside of us, we hurt people. We take from people. We take advantage of people. We betray people. We unleash our anger and our venom on people. These are the natural responses when we are full of that very toxicity and all the, the maggots and all that inside of us. It's the natural response. Any final thoughts or questions, Jeffrey? I know I've got a lot of work to do. I guess I better go do it. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't, but here's the thing. It doesn't have to take forever. The deeper you go, the faster it works, okay? Furthermore, as you work through my book and after my book, there are nine other books that I list in the beginning of my book uh, as recommended reading. Not one of them is mine. I don't get anything for those, but those are all good tools. Um, and then my new book just came out, Badass Wisdom, uh, that is a daily, it's a daily meditational, inspiring meditational that has questions for your journaling and so forth. So you've got plenty of stuff there. But again, 
don't feel like this has to fucking take forever. If you keep going deep and stay in that ugly shit and keep flushing it out, it'll go faster than you think it could. All right? Yeah. I love you, brother. You did a great job today. You really did. I'm proud of you. I love you, too. Thank you for your help. I, I so needed it. I did. Ever since I started listening to your podcast, I, I can only think I wish there was 100 million of you, Robin Casey, to go around the world. It would be such a fucking better place if there was. Well, if there were 100 million of each of us, if, let's say there's 100 million total, what would you break it down? How many KCs, how many Robs, and how many Svens in that 100 million? 100 million of each of the three of you. Wow. 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 Well, that's, that three, is high praise, my man. That is high praise. I think the world is maybe a better place that there aren't more than one Sven out there. We could use 100 million <laughs> Robs and KCs. That's for damn sure. Good, fine people. High praise. Thank you so much. And it's been really great to have you on the show. And to everyone listening in, I think I speak for all of you when I say we hope Jeffrey does the work and because he can heal just like you are healing in your life. On behalf of my staff, have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of The Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer, Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day. Hey.